Thank you for tuning into the Freedom Church Podcast, where you can catch our Sunday sermon on demand at any time. Hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out on any of the content that's shared every week at our local church in Round Rock, Texas. Here's this week's sermon. As you can see, God is doing some awesome things in the church, isn't he? Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your giving. And like, like we said, the property in San Bass, that's, that's a killer right now. But uh, we are uh, on con- in contract to get that money back. And then you should see all the money that you've been given to building has been going to building. And we'll go through all that. But I want to thank you for giving. And man, I want you to say, hey, let's continue to give. Let's finish this project. Even if San Bass doesn't sell, let's finish it debt-free, right? Let's continue to be in debt-free. And thank you for giving to your building campaign. Thank you for being faithful in tithe and offerings. God's doing amazing, amazing things. I'm so excited, so thankful to be your pastor. And I'm believing today is going to be a great day for you. I believe it's going to be a life changer. I've been praying, we've been fasting, and I believe that God's going to set people free of nagging sins and addictions and bondages that you figured out that, hey, I had to live with this. But how many of you guys know that Jesus Christ came to set the captive free? And that's what we're going to believe here today. Uh, and before we get started, uh, before I break that down, I, I just want to make you aware there's... I don't know if you've seen it, but there's a very interesting phenomenon happening right now in the U.S. It's a spiritual awakening of sorts, but not a good spiritual awakening. According to Pew Research, over a quarter of U.S. adults, 27%, now say they think of themselves as spiritual, but not religious. And when they mean spiritual, it's maybe not Bible, but just they believe that there's a spiritual realm out there. And that is a five, it's an 8% uh, percentage gap in just the last five years, the highest it's ever been. People like never before realize there's so much more than the natural world we see with our eyes. There's some kind of connection with the supernatural, and they realize that they wanted something beyond ritualistic religion. So we have the power of the Holy Spirit to give what people are looking for. See, if you don't know, our culture is fascinated with the supernatural. People are obsessed with UFOs, witches, zombies, crystals, sleepwalkers, astrology, manifesting. All these things are going on throughout, so through social media. The hunger for spiritual things is at an all-time high. Did you know from 1950 to 1959, there was one paranormal show on TV? One. And then from 1960 to 1969, there was one paranormal show. From 1970 to 1979, there were three. From 1980 to 1989, there were three. But then in 1990 to 1999, there was 26. From 2000 to 2009, it jumped up to 95. And from 2010 to 2019, there are now 1,836 paranormal shores. And that's not considering the next two, what we've seen in the last two years. Bottom line, there is a hunger for spirituality in our world. C.S. Lewis said this, there are two equal and opposite errors in which our race can fall into about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. When it comes to the supernatural, when it comes to angels and demons, there are two equally dangerous positions. Either you're superstitious about them or either you're skeptical about them. There are people that are superstitious. I remember being in Bible college, Steve, everything's a demon. Oh, it's a demon. Every, you're casting out demons everywhere you go. Man, uh, there's a couple of guys that we call the demon hunters. You know, they were always looking for demons. And yet, there's another one. It's like you're skeptical. There's got to be a rational explanation about everything. 
But this morning, I want to give you a third option to not just be superstitious about the spiritual things or not to be skeptical. I, I want us to be scriptural. I want the scripture and the Bible to lead us and guide our understanding of the spirit realm. The Bible teaches us this, that we live in two worlds simultaneously, the natural world and the spirit world. The natural world is made up of matter and space. It's what we can see with our natural eyes. The natural world was committed to the care of the humans. Jesus said, actually God, Yahweh said in the, in the book of Genesis that God has given us dominion over the natural world. He said, take dominion over that. But then we sinned and then we fell and we lost that dominion. And then the Bible says, not only is there a natural world, that there's a spiritual world. This is invisible to the human eye. The spiritual world up is made up in three categories. My mentor, Dr. Royer, was supposed to, this is a static map of the spirit world. It's superimposed. This, we, go, we can go to the static map of the spiritual world, the next one, if we can go to that one. Uh, it's superimposed into what we see in the natural world. And here's what I want you to know. The first world is the realm of God. He's all alone, high and exalted. Nobody is with God. Man, a lot of people think that the angel, that the, the devil is the opposite of God. No, he's not. He's a created being. So there is the natural realm. And there's the realm of angels and fallen angels. And I want you to realize that there are a third, according to Scripture, fallen angels, demonic spirits, and two-thirds angels, ministering spirits. And just so you can know, man, you, for every one demonic spirit you have working against you, you have two ministering spirits that will work in your behalf. Amen. And then there's the realm of people and things. And I just want you to know this. Because I want God to get all the glory. Nowhere in Scripture is the devil depicted as an equal of God. He's a created inferior being. He is not omniscient. He does not omni, he's not omnipresent. He's not all-powerful. He's not all-present. He's not all-knowing. He cannot be in every place. He does not know your mind. He not, does not know your thoughts. There's only one being who has those attributes, and his name is Yahweh, the God of the Bible, Jehovah, Elohim. And the Bible tells us this. This is what it teaches us. That angels and demons gained access, if we go back to this, if, uh, to the natural world when man sinned and they lost their dominion. And at that moment, the Bible says, when man sinned and broke communion with God, the devil became the prince of this world. The Bible tells us this five times in Scripture, in John 12, in John 14, in John 16, in Ephesians 2, and in 2 Corinthians 4. The Bible describes the devil, Lucifer, as the prince of this world. But God, through Jesus Christ, became a man. He stepped out of eternity. He left the natural realm. He came into the realm of people and things. He destroyed death, hell, and the grave, and he gave us victory. And then the Bible says he back, and he ascended into, he into heaven again to rule and reign again. But here's the great thing about Scripture. This is what I want you to understand. Ephesians 2, 6 says that he raised us up with him in Christ into the heavenly realms. So we go back to that static map. Let me show you that static map real quick. Just, man, this is where we were. We are right here, created beings. But according to Ephesians, when Christ rose from the dead, he seated us in heavenly realms, and he restored our dominion and our authority over not in us, but in Christ. So that's the foundation I want you to have. It's only in Christ that we have this authority. So it's only if you're a believer in Jesus, if you've given your faith in Jesus. And the ministry and the focus of Jesus when he came to this earth was to bring the kingdom of heaven down to earth. 
He wanted to regain his kingdom and establish his kingdom in the natural realm. And this is why to do that, he had to confront the kingdom of darkness. In Mark 1.39, he says this. It says this about the ministry of Jesus, that he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. Acts 10.38 says this, that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and he went around doing good and healing all who were possessed by the devil. You see that? This is a reoccurring thing of what Jesus does. 1 John 3.8 says this, that the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. That when we were bound and when we were broken and we were under the control of sin, Jesus came to set us free and establish the kingdom of heaven on earth. Demonic forces was dealing with the demonic and dealing with the spiritual realm was a regular part of Jesus' ministry. Demons are mentioned 82 times in the New Testament, 61 times in the Gospels alone. And so many commentators that I was reading said the reasons that demons are mentioned so much in the New Testament, in the Gospels, and not in the Old Testament is because before Jesus came, nobody had authority over demons. But all of a sudden, Jesus comes, and he's reestablishing his authority over the world. And through the cross, all of a sudden, he stirred up the spiritual realm. And through the cross, he won the victory. And here's the good news. He's given us that authority as children of God. Because we've been seated in heavenly realms. And I've seen this many times and in many places in my own life and in my own ministry. I remember being in India, in New Delhi, preaching the first youth convention there for the Assemblies of God in a long time. There were hundreds of teenagers, and I could just feel this tension as I was preaching this battle in the spiritual realm. And I'm getting ready to preach, and I'm sharing the gospel, and I'm getting ready at the end of my message, the exact time I was getting ready to make the altar call, guess what happened? The lights just flickered off. And then all of a sudden, all these hideous demonic voices started screaming and yelling at that moment as I was getting ready to make the altar call for these people. If you've never been to India, Pastor Lee will tell you, Grace will tell you, they worship demons there. That's what it is. Anything, anything you don't worship other than Jesus is a demonic spirit. Literally, in the Eastern world, this is normal. This happens. They, they expect it. But in the Western skeptical world, we don't see it. And as I'm praying, and as I'm getting ready, I feel this tension. And I was just reminded, the Spirit of God reminded me, take authority of this. You're seated in the heavenly realm so I said in the name of Jesus Christ I thank you that you've seated me in heavenly realms and right now in the name of Jesus I command the lights to come back on and I command these demonic spirits to shut up while I finish this messaging because what happened that's exactly what happened and that's not just me because I'm super spiritual but it's to every believer in Christ I just want to let you know, I don't have any extra spiritual power than you. We believe everybody that has put their faith in Jesus has this same authority. So with all that, I want to bring you to a story in Luke chapter 8, verse 27, to show you where the natural world and the spirit supernatural world collide. And it's a story where Jesus sets this guy free from evil spirits. And it'll teach us a whole lot of how we can truly be free. Because here's the reality. Every one of us, before we know Jesus, even sometimes as Christians, we can be under the influence of the demonic. That's what the scripture teaches us. But guess what? Jesus came to set us free. The story is found in Luke chapter 8, verse 27. I'm going to read in the English Standard Version this morning. When Jesus had stepped out on land, there met him a man from the city who had, I want you to understand this, demons. 
For a long time he had worn no clothes and he had not lived in a house but among the tubes. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said in a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you to not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. So let me set the stage for you as to what is happening. The whole town is waiting for Jesus to visit. Jesus at this time is at an all-time high. People are following. His popularity is high. He's an influencer on social media. Everybody's watching his TikTok videos and sharing them. Everybody's liking his pose. They want to see him, and he's coming to the town, and they're going to watch him perform miracles. And I want you to picture this. All of a sudden, this crazy, whacked-out, naked dude just comes running to meet him. It's the first streaker in the Bible. Okay, maybe don't picture that, okay? Parents are covering their kids' eyes. They're holding their kids tight. Everybody's freaked out. And as I read this story, I wonder, who is this man? There's no doubt in the biblical times that he grew up in that town because nobody traveled much farther from their hometown. And he, was he a respectable citizen at one time? Did he have a family? Did he have a wife? Did he have kids? What led him to being crazy, running around in the nude? Did anybody try to help him? Because see, this is a person just like you and I. And I love that, that Jesus just doesn't see problems and issues. He sees a person. And the writer of the Gospel, Luke, who he's a doctor, he's a physician, he's an educated man, and his job is to help people with medicine. He gives us unique insight to this man's problems. He says his problem isn't a physical problem. It's not a psychological problem. It says it's a spiritual problem. Because verse 27 says this, he had demons. The NIV and the New Living Translation translate this man was demon-possessed. The ESV gets it right when it says he had demons. Because the Greek word for demons here is the word demonizami. It means to be under the influence of the idea of being demon-possessed. Let me just tell you, it's not really an accurate biblical picture. It's what King James and what uh, the ESV and the New American Standard translate this says that this person was under a lot of influence of demons. And several commentators, that the Bible says, look at this, he's running around naked. And several commentators had a lot to say about him running around naked. They said this, that one of the main manifestations and characteristics of demonic influence is nakedness. Nakedness, according to the Bible, is a, is a perversion. And it's hard not to see the demonic influence in our culture that there's a spiritual perversion in our day like never before. You can't walk them all. You can't scroll through Facebook or Instagram without Victoria trying to show you all her secrets, right? The Bible commands us not just to be clothed, but to be clothed modestly. When Adam and Eve sinned, what is the first thing that God did? God clothed them. Because in a sin-cursed world characterized by selfishness, the central expression of selfishness is what? Lust. Lust reduces people to an object. It devalues them. It dehumanizes people created in the image of God. And the fact that our culture has literally lost its mind because this area of sexuality is showing that there's a demonic oppression in our culture like never before. And today, so many people are confused about their gender. They're even confused about so many things. There is even this thing going on where there are young people that are identifying as dogs, and they call themselves furries. 
I, I know this sounds weird, but this is happening in Round Rock. This is happening in my daughter's school. There are literally young people. It's not funny, but what they're going in, I'm a dog, and they want to eat like a dog. They're walking around with dog collars. This is not something that's going on in California and the East Coast. This is here in the middle of the Bible Belt in Round Rock ISD. And let me just tell you, this is not just a mental issue. It's a spiritual issue. It really is. And I was listening to a well-known Christian speaker and apologist, one of the great minds of Christianity. He travels to secular universities all around the country answering tough questions about God and faith. And he said the two biggest issues that young people are facing today, the two things that they come up after every discussion to ask prayer for at every meeting, the top two things, you want to guess it? Addiction to pornography and suicide. Both are an attack on the image of God. The enemy wants to attack the image of God. Everywhere you see an attack on the image of God, know it's a demonic influence. Whether it be abortion, whether it be self-harm, whether it be pornography, whether it be evolution. And here we see in this passage, this man created in the image of God is reduced to acting like a wild animal. Verse 29 says, this demonized man had uncommon strength. It says this, that he was trying to kept under guard and they bound him with chains, but he would break the bonds. I came across a news article preparing for this message that reminded me of the man in this passage. And this is what this article said. There was a young man in Florida who became so agitated with the slow service that he was getting at a restaurant that he stormed out of the restaurant in a rage. When they found him, he had attacked and stabbed two random strangers in their house, and he was attempting to eat the face of one of the victims. He thought he was half man and half dog. True story. When the first deputy arrived at the couple's home, they used a taser on him, but it didn't phase him. They tried to pull him off the body, but they couldn't. Other deputies arrived shortly along with the dog, and it took all of them to subdue the man. This is what they're quoted as saying. The suspect in this case was abnormally strong, and he's acting like an animal. He tested negative for being under the influence of drugs. The authorities said the suspect had a bizarre online persona. He, he was quoted as saying, quote, I've got a psycho side and I've got a normal side. I've lost my mind. Help me find it. This isn't an isolated event, Freedom Church. Many violent crimes and hideous acts can be traced to some other persona or influence. And the ex-girlfriend of the recent Dayton mass shooter said this, that he talked a lot about the dark, evil things that he heard in his head. The report from one of the gunmen in the Parkland shootings a couple of years ago, he said he always heard the words in his head, burn, kill, destroy. And this naked dude in our story is under the influence of demons. He's demonized. Psychologists today would say he would be in the manic phase of a manic depression. Verse 30 says when they ask him his name, he can't even say his name. He uses the word legion for there are many demons that had control over him. He couldn't recall his own name. He had personality, identity issues. The clinical uh, uh, definition of a man like this would be multiple personality disorder. I'm not saying that every person that has multiple personality disorder is demonized. But there are some that have mental problems. There are some that have physical problems. But there are also some that have spiritual problems. And we don't know, we don't, as a culture, we don't know how to deal with these spiritual problems. They just don't need medication. They just don't need information. They just don't need rehabilitation. They need Jesus and the transformation that comes by the Holy Spirit through repentance and the power of God. And this morning, 
This is where I want you to really kind of think through this. Because maybe the Lord's going to speak to you. Let's pray. Because we're going to look at some signs through this passage to see if there might be some oppression in your own life. Let's pray. Lord, Lord, we prayed and we fasted and we asked you for this message. And Lord, my one prayer is that you would set people free because that's your agenda. So I right now, Lord, I, I join up with the agenda of heaven that you would set people free. And Lord, right now, that's what I pray. That you would begin to show areas, maybe in our lives that we're unaware of, where there's demonic oppression. And Lord, the anointing breaks the yoke. We pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. See, the first characteristic of being under demonic oppression is loneliness. This crazed man is living in isolation. Verse 27 says this. He had not lived in a house but among the tombs. This has been the devil's strategy since the beginning. When man first sinned, he was separated from God, and they were separated from one another. The man lived among the tombs. And this is what's interesting to me, that the demons led him to an unclean place. According to the Old Testament of the law, it was against every ceremony to be around the dead. They would be considered unclean. And here's what I want you to know. The demonic pushes you towards isolation, and it pushes you towards sin every time. And during these last 10 years, I mean, during these last two years with the pandemic that we're working through, I know the enemy has used this tactic on God's people to keep them away from church, to keep them away from life groups, to keep them away from coming together and worshiping God, to keep them isolated. We have all kinds of problems because of that. Let me just tell you, Freedom Church, it's important to get involved in a life group. It's important to get around God's people and worship and call on God other than a CD because the tactic of the enemy is to get you isolated and to make you feel alone. So if you're feeling disconnected from God and his people, realize it's an attack of the enemy. We're made for relationship. We're hardwired to connect to God, and we're hardwired to connect to people. So if you're feeling lonely all the time, it's the enemy trying to attack you. Second thing I want you to see is shame. For a long time, he hadn't worn no clothes. Psychologists say that you cannot be happy and feel ashamed at the same time. That the shame of regrets and mistakes and abuse can overwhelm you and it'll cause your heart to become depressed and oppressed. So if you're constantly battling thoughts of shame, of guilt from past mistakes, if you're always thinking, oh, I can't believe I did that. If you're overwhelmed by the past, if you're constantly living in the past and wallowing in the past, let me let you know that's not from God because Paul said this, that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. See, the devil wants to point to your mistakes, but Jesus wants to point to your future and the redemption of what Jesus has done in your life. So shame is not from God for those who are in Christ. For those who are in Christ. Number three, I want you to realize there's this restlessness in his soul. Mark in his Gospels records the same story. And in Mark chapter 5, verse 5, this is what he says. Night and day among the tombs on the mountains, he was crying out and cutting himself with stones. He could not sleep. He's hurting himself. He's given to self-harm. A restless spirit is a sign that you are under demonic attack. You just can't find peace. You can't find joy. Everything, you're restless. Let me tell you, you know why? Because you can only find uh, peace in Jesus. He's the prince of peace, and he wants to offer peace to your life. And when you don't have Jesus, there's no such thing as peace. The fourth thing is compulsions. Verse 29 says that this demonic spirit constantly seized control of his body, and he had out-of-control compulsions. So here's my question for you. Do you have an area of your life where you have no control over? The fruit of the spirit is self-control. 
An out-of-control appetite is sin, and it could be a sign of demonic oppression in your life. See, God created us in his image to have authority of all creation, not to be given over to our desires and to be subject to creation. So if there's an area of your life where you can't find victory, where you prayed and you prayed and you prayed and you keep going back to the same sin over and over and over and over again, here, I've got good news for you. There is a thing called freedom. You don't have to live like that. I know some people say, oh, it's just one of these nagging sins that I got to, that you can have power over sin by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the fifth thing I want you to see is identity issues. Jesus asked him his name. What is your name? And he responds, legion. Legion is a Roman military term. What meant about 6,000 soldiers. And what happened is these demons have taken his identity and the devil wants to take our identity. People are finding their identity in so many things, in their sexual preferences, in their political affiliations, in their education, in their jobs, in their careers. Let me tell you, a stronghold is finding your identity in anything else other than Jesus. If I asked you, who are you? Because here's the thing, if you find a, uh, your identity in anything else other than Jesus, it can be taken from you. If you're, oh, I'm a mom. Your kids can be taken. Oh, I'm a husband. Your wife can be taken. Oh, I got a great career. That can be gone. But you know what can never be taken? That you are a son of God. That you are a child of God. That you are forgiven and restored and redeemed. Because what Jesus did for you, nothing can take away from you. And number six, fear. Verse 28, we see this man running from Jesus. He's afraid. Is there an area in your life where you're just terrified? You have this irrational fear. You fear death. You fear a person. You fear failure. You just can't move forward. You fear the worst thing happening in your life. Fear is just your constant companion. Let me tell you, that's not of God. 1 John 4, 18 says, There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear. Before Jesus took this trip to this demoniac's town, he went to the local synagogue. And when he was in the synagogue, he read the prophet Isaiah, and he gave everyone his mission statement for life. And this is what he said in Luke 4, 18. That he came to proclaim freedom to the captives. That he came to set free those who are captive. And that's good news for this man, and that's good news for you, and that's good news for me. Because the Bible says we've all been captive to sin. We've all been captive to our desires. We've all been under some demonic control. But Jesus has the power to set us free. I want to get real practical and I want to illustrate to you how the enemy binds you to sin and gets you in major trouble in life Paul gave this warning to the church of Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 4 uh, the church of Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 26 he says this don't let the sun go down while you're still angry he says and do not give the devil a foothold That we give away our freedom. The devil can't take it from us. We give it away. Let, let, let me explain this to you. It's maybe you're living through life and you had something horrendous happen to you. And you don't deal with that anger right. And what happens, that anger turns into offense and bitterness. And it gives the devil a foothold. What could happen, it could be somebody did you wrong at work. Maybe your husband, man, cheated on you. Your, man, your job went bad. 
man, man, it wasn't your fault, but you're so mad at what took place. And that bitterness gets in your heart and it gets inside of you. And a root of bitterness grows according to Hebrews. And before you know it, you have a foothold and it stops you from moving forward and you're offended. Let me tell you about offended people. Offended people are always offended people. And hurt people are always hurting people. And what happens is when you're bound by bitterness, it stops you from moving forward. And for many of us this morning, because maybe something that somebody did to us, maybe somebody said a lie about us, maybe somebody said something to us, maybe it was a parent's divorce, maybe it was the pain of a best friend talking about you. I don't know what it was. Maybe a business partner did you bad, but you can't let go of it. And because you can't let go of it, guess what happens? It gets hold of you and you're stuck in bitterness. And many this morning, you're like, well, how come I can't go forward in my walk with God? How how come I I just get to a certain point and and it seems like I hit this wall? It's because a foothold of bitterness and the devil has taken hold of that and it's stopping you. Or, Or it can happen another way. It can happen in so many ways. The devil's a little trickster. I hate him. But maybe one day you're curious. And you're scrolling through the internet or you're watching TV and it's one click and it's one look and it's one moment and somebody showed you that and all of a sudden you're bound by lust. I'll never forget, I was a youth pastor at the time and I was preaching a youth camp and this beautiful young girl, 11 years old, said, she's crying and weeping, says, Pastor, Man, I'm stuck. I'm, I'm addicted to pornography. I try to stop. I pray. I just can't stop. I remember just Googling the word sex, and then I look through all these sites, and now every time I'm alone, I just, every time I open my phone, all of a sudden I just get in those images, and all of a sudden it cannot stop me, and all of a sudden I'm just held there, and all of a sudden what happened just begins to bind you and holds you down there. And let me tell you, for some of us, we opened a door a long time ago in a moment. Maybe it was a friend that showed us something. Maybe it was a click on the Internet. But what happens you just can't move forward and you can't even raise your hands in church because you're bound by lust and then money and debt jesus says this about money it has a powerful power over you he says you cannot serve both god and money it says the love of money is the root of all evil and what happens, and especially in a highly affluent area like Round Rock and these different areas, we just get on the career, we start chasing money, we start chasing stuff. And you know, people do horrendous, horrible things for money. They'll lie, they'll cheat, they'll steal, they'll hurt people. And all of a sudden, we just start going after money and money and money. And all of a sudden, we, well, we, we can't spend time with the family. We can't do these different things. We have, I got to be in this neighborhood. I got to pay these bills. And all of a sudden, you're starting to live up to the Joneses and you're realizing you're living with nobody there. I was reading a commentator. And it said this about money. One of the things about money and the enemy is every time the enemy wants to attack, and he used the Old Testament story of the Israelites being taken to the Babylonian captivity. If you want to know that you're under demonic oppression, one of the he attacks your finances. What's the first thing? They, they took off the next generation, and they took the treasury and the storehouse and the tithe from them. And he was indicating that when we don't tithe, when we don't trust God, when we don't put him first, all of a sudden we put ourselves up and we open ourselves up to the madman and the God of money controlling our lives. That's why tithing is so important, that it breaks the, the addiction and the stronghold. And it says, God, I put you first. I thank you. You gave me it all. You're the provider. It doesn't mess. not about the amount. It's about trusting God and saying, God, the first 10% is yours. And for some of us, mindsets keep us bound. 
And you know how mindsets come in? They come in because of things that have been spoken over us, lies that have been said, and they just take root in our heart. You're no good for nothing. You'll never amount to anything. Oh, you can never get that. You can never do that. And before we know it, we find ourselves bound. And many of us can say, Lord, I, I want to follow God, I, but you know, I got this addiction and this bitterness, and I got the debt, and then and I got all these mindsets, and God is calling us to follow him, but we find ourselves trapped because we have given the enemy an entry point into our lives. But if we are going to be free, first thing we need to do is we need to ask God to identify the entry point. My mentor, Dr. Royer, says this. There are three steps to freedom. The first one is denouncing that sin. You know what? I don't want that. Lord, I hate that pornography. I hate that lust. I'm not going to follow. And all of a sudden he says, renounce it. Man, I'm closing the doorway. Lord, I know that bitterness is coming, but I forgive them in the name of Jesus. And then what we do, that mindset's on us. I know that mindset's there, but what I'm going to do, I'm not going to be identified with what others say. I'm going to announce that I'm a child of God. I'm going to announce that I've been set free. I'm going to announce that I've been adopted. I'm going to announce all that God has done for my life. And all of a sudden, there can be freedom in our lives. See, to find freedom, you ask the Holy Spirit to identify the stronghold. The second thing you do is repent. And then you say, pray. It's easy. You ask the Holy Spirit to set you free. Here's the question that people ask me all the time. Can a Christian be demon-possessed? The answer is no. But they can be under demonic oppression and influence. Let me give you this illustration how that works. What if you came to church this morning, but you realized you accidentally left the door of your house open? And when you got home this afternoon, you found that there was a thief in your house because you left the door open. Does that thief possess your house? Does he own your house? No. But he's in your house and you have a problem. He's in control of your house. And until you call the authorities with someone with a weaponry to arrest him and take him out in handcuffs, he has one agenda while he's in your house. He's going to steal, he's going to kill, and he's going to destroy. And demons are these spiritual squatters. We open the house. We open that door. We don't even know that that door is there. And they squat in areas of our lives, and they try to take hold of things that God has given us. And Dr. Royer would always tell me this. It's not about a power encounter. It's about a truth encounter. So let me tell you a couple stories of how this has worked and how, we, how, how I have seen the Lord work through this and we're going to walk through at the end of the message. There's a story of how people get free. When I was a youth pastor in northern New Mexico, his, my, my friend Izzy was there. Izzy, is he in here? You're in the place? Where are you at? I thought I saw him this morning. Maybe he was out there. But he was a, he was a, he was a, he was a, I was a youth pastor and what happened, we were doing this skit. We're talking about supernatural stuff and there was a youth leader. I'm going to change his name. We're going to call him Johnny because he might be watching, and we don't want to embarrass him, you know? And what happened is he, at that moment, he just started going crazy. He started screaming. He started picking up rocks. He started speaking in evil voices. All the youth leaders are freaked out. Everybody's calling me. The youth are calling me. Say, Pastor B, this guy's lost his marbles. So I went out there, and I realized that he was under demonic influence. He was demonized. So what I did... I took authority over the demon in the name of Jesus. Because if you're a Christian, you have authority over a demon. Demons shut up in the name of Jesus. So it's not about power encounter. Come out, come out, come out. It's about a truth encounter. So I walk him to the back and I start talking to him. And we realize that 
Johnny, what's going on? I'm mad. I'm angry. Like, and I realized as he would come to the church, his windshield was always cracked. He would always kick things. He always got mad. He always had this uncontrollable rage that controlled him. He says, why are you mad? I don't know. So I did, what the, I did what Dr. Royer always taught me. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to identify the entry point, the foothold, the stronghold, why he got access into your life and why this anger is coming in your life. So let's pray. So we simply said, bow our head. Closed your eyes. I said, Holy Spirit, identify this stronghold that gave this bitterness, this, uh, uh, this opportunity for to be demonized in this area. And guess what? The Holy Spirit started showing him. When that he was five, five or six years old, he was bullied. And then he went to school, and all these people were teasing him. And then his dad was, he had all this pent-up rage. And I said, you can be free, but you have to forgive them. So he prayed forgiveness. God began to restore him. He began to uh, renounce those areas, release them to the Lord. And at that moment, God set him free. And today, this young man is a pastor preaching every week. Every week. Let me give you another story of, of how demonic activity opens up in our lives. Dr. Royer tells a story of being in a large church and this very well-known music artist was there and he makes the altar call. And during the altar call, he was praying for people and he came to this man and this man was, in the, he said, if you're overwhelmed, if you're depressed, if you're oppressed, God wants to set you free. He prayed for him and the guy just let out this scream and he started yelling and the pastor came out there and he's screaming and yelling and screaming and yelling. They're commanding demons to come out. They don't know what to do. And they see my mentor, Dr. Royer, in the back says, uh, Pastor Royer, would you come and help us deal with that? Because we know what we're doing. Dr. Royer came in, and he quietly knelt down to this young man and says, call him by his name, call him up, and they walked him to the back of the room. And they had a discussion, and he said, what happened? Well, that guy said I was demon-possessed. I wanted that demon out, so I started screaming more. And, and it's kind of like the power of suggestion that took place. He says, well, why are you up here? Well, I've been, so, man, I, I've been suicidal. I've been so broken. I've been so hurt. And, man, and when he prayed for me, I just felt this release, and I just felt this pressure, and I just wanted God to move. I'm just tired of living the way I'm living. So talk to me. What happened? Well, I'm just feeling so oppressed right now. I feel, I feel, I, I, want, I want to kill myself. Why? He said, Holy Spirit, right now, open his heart and show him the entry point. I know why. Because I've been battling with lust. I've been thinking all kinds of crazy thoughts. Like I'm picturing naked girls all the time, people, then they're naked. Everybody's coming, I'm just picturing them naked. I just, I hate that. I love Jesus, I love my wife. I just cannot control. This lustful attitude has just come on my heart. Okay, we're gonna ask the Holy Spirit when that happened. So they prayed. And the Holy Spirit showed them when it happened. What had happened was he had a nephew who was modeling and he showed him some of his modeling pictures. And first of them were nice and tasteful, but all of a sudden he poured out some other pictures of pornography, of men and men and women and moving and all this hideous stuff. And he didn't want to offend his nephew, so he stayed there and watched these images. And what happened, lust began to open up in his life. And all of a sudden he had that entry point and he was controlled from that moment on, tormented, oppressed by these spirits. And it controlled his life. But Dr. Royer prayed for him and the Lord set him free. It's not this weird, crazy things, but it's getting really practical in what happens. And Jesus has the power to set you free this morning. And I want you to see how he set this man free. And I want to pray for you some prayers of freedom. This is, the Bible says, the demons came out of this man and entered the pigs. The herd rushed down to the steep of the bank, in verse 33, in the lake, and they drowned. Here we see devil's hand for the first time. 
This is the first recorded outbreak of the swine flu. Jesus made these demons do a swine dive. I know, bad joke. We're gonna... But what happens is amazing. This man set free. It's shocking. And this naked dude goes from running around naked with a ZZ Top beard, scaring kids. Now he's shaved, bathed. He's taking notes at church. And he just enrolled at Bible College at Southwestern Assemblies of God University. It's crazy. And now what we learn is nobody is beyond the grace of God. That's why we don't lose hope in anybody here at Freedom Church. As long as they're alive, there's hope. Because Jesus can change anyone. So, he, Jesus, got, verse 37, got in the boat and he returned. And verse 38 says this, the man who had demons begged that he might be with him. And he, all he wanted to do was go to church, listen to Maverick City, man, man, have prayer meetings, man, be in a life group. That's all he wanted to do. But that's not what following Jesus is all about. Look what verse 38 says. But Jesus sent him away, saying, return home and declare how much God has done for you. Jesus says, this is not just a, a, an emotional club. This is not just a concert. This is not just here to hear sermons. Here's what you got a mission. When you experience freedom, you're supposed to live that freedom, and you're supposed to share that freedom everywhere you go. And this man goes from madman to missionary. He didn't have much training. He didn't know what to say, but here was, here was his message. I used to be a crazy, naked maniac scaring kids, but now God changed my life, and he can change yours too. He was the first church planter. This morning, I want everybody to bow your head and close your eyes. I pray that you find freedom this morning. I want us to pray this prayer. This is what I want you to pray. Ask the Holy Spirit to identify strongholds in your life right now. In the name of Jesus, I pray, God, you'd identify strongholds. Ask him. Sometimes when you pray... Pray out loud right here, especially in the moment, because God knows everything that's going. But sometimes you gotta, we got to announce to the spiritual realm that there's a new king in town, and that's Jesus. Okay. See, here's the first step. It's so important. Jesus can't set you free if you don't know you're in bondage. The Holy Spirit is identifying strongholds right now. I feel the first thing this morning is there are some and the biggest thing, there are some relational things that you need to set for, let go of. You've got bitterness from a divorce, from a business deal, from the way your parents treated you, and it's holding you back, maybe even against God. Let me say, Benito, I, the Lord showed me that I got some strongholds. I need people to forgive this morning. Just raise your hand right there. I need to forgive people. I got some strongholds. Yeah, it's a lot of people. So I want everybody to open your eyes now, and we're going to say a prayer. Just to say this. There's some people that you need to forgive. Put it on the screen. If we can put it on the screen, and we're going to say this. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for the riches of your kindness, forbearance, and patience, knowing that your kindness has led me to repentance. I confess that I have not extended the same patience and kindness towards others. have offended me but I have harbored bitterness and resentment and I pray during this time of self-examination you would bring to my mind those who I need to forgive in the name of Jesus 
No, let him, let him do it. He might not even know it. Somebody need to forgive. And there's another prayer that I want us to pray. And I'm just going to say some names, but sometimes we just got to verbally forgive them. Say, Lord, I forgive Susie for lying about me. So right now, who do you need to forgive? Just verbally say it. Say, Lord, I forgive my dad for never being there for me. Lord, I, I forgive John for walking out on me. Lord, I forgive Juan for doing me dirty in that job. Lord, I forgive this person, Lord, and how they made me feel. Right now, just forgive them. And you might just forgive them. And this, I know this, just forgive them. Say, Lord, I forgive them. Don't let what was done to you bigger, be bigger than what Jesus did for you. And after you've forgiven every person and every painful memory, finish the step by praying this. I want you to announce this. Lord, I release all these people to you. I release my right to seek revenge. I choose not to hold on to my bitterness, anger. And I ask you to heal my damaged emotions in the name of Jesus, I pray. I know this doesn't seem like dramatic and screaming, but this is how God sets you free. I remember there is, an, in the All Access Pass, I have uploaded the Steps of Freedom in Dr. Neil Anderson's book. Dr. Roy, if you go to GaryRoyer.com, has another book, Out of Darkness into the Light. And all these steps of freedom where you can look through it and walk through seven steps of freedom. It'll take you about an hour to go through every area that we could open up. But I want you to be free. But I felt the Lord tell me that there are people here that you have some people have nagging sins. Auto-control compulsions. They plagued you for years. It might be pornography or lusting or lying or cheating or stealing or controlling. You got to be in control all the time. And you just blame it. You know, I'm the firstborn. It's how I was born. No, you need to trust control to Jesus. Give him control. All these things are strongholds. And I want you to pray this with me. Say, dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that my sins are forgiven in Christ. But I've walked by the flesh and I have sinned by. And just say it right now. Just say whatever. Pornography, lusting, lying, cheating, stealing, coveting, adultery. Lord, I want to be free. Thank you for cleansing me of all my unrighteousness. And I ask you to enable me to walk by the Spirit and not carry out the desires of the flesh. In Jesus' name. I want everybody to bow your head and close your eyes right there. Just let the Holy Spirit identify these areas. Lord, I want to be free. Just tell him. I want to be free. Lord, I, I, I don't want that to control me anymore. Right now, he's, he's showing up. Pastor Lee told me during worship that there's somebody right here who's struggling right now that he wants to break depression and oppression off of your life. He wants to lift that in your life. And what you got to do is you got to pray, Holy Spirit, why? Why am I feeling this? What's it linked to? What's the entry point? What's causing these feelings right now? I just, I just want to, I feel this just for the next 30 seconds. Just ask the Holy Spirit to identify those strongholds.
And at the end, we're going to close with three easy steps. We're going to denounce that sin. I no longer, Lord. I denounce God pride. I denounce God lust. I can denounce adult. Lord, I don't want that. Lord, I renounce it. That entry point. It no longer has authority over me. What that person did to me, I close it. I renounce it. I cancel it back. And I announce to say this. I am a new creation in Christ. I am loved by the Father. I am forgiven. I am Filled with the Holy Spirit. Just tell them, announce who you are in Jesus. And this is what freedom is. It's not just crazy power encounters where you're screaming back and forth. Jesus says, you shall know the truth. And the truth shall set you free. And the truth of God's word does what we can never do. And I know this is what we wanted to cram into a whole week. And we're going to bring Dr. Royer back. But here's what I want you to do in your all-access pass is a tab that says Steps of Freedom. I would recommend this afternoon, put some worship on, read through that, and walk through the Steps of Freedom. And you'll be surprised every time I go through it. Because here's the reality, just living this world, entry points come in every day, every week, every moment, that we give the enemy access to our lives. And we got to constantly say, God, I denounce it, I renounce it, and I announce that I'm a new creation in Christ. Freedom Church, I love you. And this is what I want to do. If you want more prayer, if you want extended prayer, I'm going to ask the prayer team. They're going to come up, and they're going to pray for you after service. And but we're going to dismiss. Next week, we're starting a brand new series called Love Handles. And we're going to talk about marriage and how to walk through different things and relationships. And, and, and I'm going to teach you next week one of my favorite sermons that I give to every young couple, married couple that comes in. They're older couples. It's gonna, it'll, it'll change your marriage. I know when I understood this principle, it changed not only my marriage, my relationship with the kids, the way I parent, everything. Next week as we start this brand new series, I love you so much Freedom Church. You're God's very best and announce you are a new creation and if you want prayer, you're more than welcome to come to the front as our prayer team will be praying for you. God bless. You're dismissed. Thanks again for listening to the Freedom Church Podcast. We hope that you were inspired and motivated to continue to grow in your faith. Don't forget to subscribe and share with others.